Skill. To another episode of uh, Walker's Appeal, aka The Appeal, on the Wake Up Radio. Shout out to all the on the Wake Up Radio family. Shout out to Sister Cindy Ashby, um, the best engineer and producer in the world. Uh, I am Oz Bryan, and my co host. Rob, sometimes they call me F. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> so, uh, uh, we had a, another great show for you guys uh, this week. It's been a been a busy week, productive. Uh, how's your week been, Rob? Uh, pretty good. I'm looking forward to going to one of my friends' retirements. So, yeah. so <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, where did they retire from? The Navy, actually. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Put in their years. Put in their service. Yeah, he did. So he's gonna retire. Find out what he's up to. It's a good excuse to catch up to. I haven't seen him in a number of years. So, um, yeah. So, um, <laughs> we got a few things on deck for you to, today. Um, Definitely. Again, uh, like, as as per usual, <laughs> uh, we we function in the spirit of saying culture, always looking back to look forward. All right, if you don't know uh, where you've been. You can't possibly know where you're going. And so um, in that spirit, uh, we reflect on things that happen today. You know, Black history is 24-7. <laughs> and uh, to that effect, uh, uh, let's see. Well, we can, actually, before we start out, uh, what I forgot to mention last week was a uh, shout-out to uh, Morris Brown. Morris Brown's on their way to getting their accreditation back. Uh, HSBCU, ATL stand up. Got to mention that last week. Uh, Morris Brown, um, you know, ran into some uh, mismanagement and uh, was able, thankfully, to orchestrate and obviously good leadership down there. Morris Brown College I was able to uh, get their accreditation, or their own way to getting their accreditation back. Again, Morris Brown's HBCU, founded by the Amy Church in Atlanta. Uh, so, again, you know, that, you know, so that's that's a, a real independent streak right there. And so uh, good to see good things happen for the first half at yeah. I mean, there's a point in time where they were down to like 40 students. Really? And it, was, it, was, it was really dark. Yeah, really, really dismal. You got to imagine, right? Um, no accreditation, what the degree worth. So, you know, you still got some students who might still attend, but uh, <laughs> it's bare bones. But now, okay, so, uh, so those. But the degrees that are that they got now they're 
still going to be backed and everything. They're, oh, well, no, probably not at that point in time. I'm not sure what happened. You know, and a lot of times, you know, it's not so much the degree, it's what you do with it. So, you know, maybe these students who uh, got some kind of access that, it, you know, they don't necessarily need the accreditation. You know, um, it's not like going to Morris Brand. If you're, like, let's say, Morris the King's grandson, <laughs> and you went to Morris Brown, no one's going to say, oh, nah, no accreditation, sorry. <laughs> you know I mean? It's still going to work for you. So, you know, you got to keep that in perspective. But, um, ooh, we got it. Actually, that was music from Miseducation to Steve B. So shout out to him. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, where was that? Where was that? Where was that? The reaccreditation of Morris Brown. Yeah. Uh, so today, uh, I want to. Uh, today is the anniversary um, of the beginning of the Poor People's Campaign. Um, again, so it's we're in April. Uh, so back in 1960s, uh, Martin Luther King had just been shot. 68, mm-hmm. he just been assassinated at the beginning of the month. Uh, but you know the, the work still goes on. Uh, remember the day after, or the week after, I should say. Um, Coretta Scott King said, you know, she she the movement still goes on, right? Uh, she she was married to the movement. King was married to the movement. And so she still carried on the, uh, the, 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 the march in Memphis. Uh, and likewise, you know, good organizations, they don't stop because someone passes away. Uh, Ralph Abernathy was, uh, uh, replaced King as chair of the FELC. And, uh, they went on to, uh, continue the poor people's campaign. Many people thought it, thought it died with King. It didn't. Uh, they were down there uh, in D.C. Uh, on April 29th. The committee they began lobbying Congress. Uh, there's some of the things that they were demanding. Economic Bill of Rights included uh, a meaningful uh, job at a living wage, uh, a secure and adequate income uh, for all those <laughs> unable to find a job or, or do a job. Right. So for for the people who are disabled, right, they need to live as well. Uh, access to land for economic use. Access to capital for poor people and minorities to promote their own businesses. Uh, uh, ability for ordinary people to play a truly significant role in the government. I mean, and that's one of the things I always admit when we had this discussion, Rob, um, how I said the, the last mayoral election, I voted for the guy who said he was a porter, right? A, a, a democracy, in a true democracy, doesn't include anybody. It doesn't mean you, you got to have a right vocation uh, in order to participate. Everybody's got to be able to participate. So I thought that was true. I thought that was important. So um, yeah. So <coughs> you always want to remember that. That's probably something we forget about in, in history. Uh, Ralph Abernathy continuing on that struggle of the Poor People's Campaign. It didn't just disappear because King died. You know, don't ever get that twisted. Um, additionally, uh, today is also the day. Uh, well, actually. Was the 28th? Yesterday. Uh, Muhammad Ali um, was down in Houston. And, you know, um, when they draft you, they call your name before you step forward. Uh, and this is the day that uh, he didn't step forward. Uh, he was warned that he was going to face a five-year prison sentence and a fine of $10,000. Uh, 
and he didn't step forward. Um, and uh, out of this came a famous meeting. You see that those famous pictures of uh, Jim Brown and um, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Bill Russell and a whole bunch of famous athletes. Yeah, the Muhammad Ali summit. Yeah, that's that. It was in support of that because that's when they stripped him of his title, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, that's when Muhammad, I mean, Muhammad Ali took a true stand for his beliefs. Right? He he didn't believe in, in war. <coughs> the Vietnam may never call me nigga. <laughs> so, um, and do you uh, think, do you think uh, he would have done the same with Afghanistan today? Uh yes, I do. I mean, the the principle was he was against war. Um, he didn't believe in, in, in war was the solution, right? Um, and, and it was a travesty, you know, they, they talk about going to maintain democracy and, and uh, get back at home in the 60s, <laughs> right? right. Uh, uh, somebody else's struggle. freedom. Exactly. So, you know, um, uh, a brilliant man, and, and, and that became the real legend, right? <clears throat> this is why we hold Muhammad Ali in a different light than we do your Michael Jordan, your Mayweather, and your Mike Tyson because he took these social stances, not because he was just good at sports, because he sacrificed all of that. He put that on the line. Uh, it's relevant uh, to too. It's very relevant. Uh, we've had one of the longest wars like in history, dude, and the last time they really tried to set up a martyr or even use a sports figure, look what they did with Tillman. That was insane. Mm-hmm. That guy was practically yeah. a, a real life Captain America, and they totally <laughs> smeared his memory, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, I, and and you know, remember that's uh, one of the things that King was pushing is like militarism. Militarism is not the answer, right? Uh, militarism is is not the answer. You know, um, you you under false pretenses. Uh. Also, <laughs> it's, it's eventful. The LA riots um, <laughs> started today, <laughs> in 1992. Uh, I was having a conversation. Actually, uh, after our first show back, this is the week before you came on, Brother Rob. Uh, we did an interview with a sister, and she was saying how she had just moved to LA from overseas, Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the riots broke out. And, you know, the common. <laughs> a nice welcome. <laughs> thinking is that oh it was over Rodney King mm-hmm. and people forget about the little girl who was shot um, in the head uh, over orange juice right so it was so the, the person who shot that little girl the Korean lady who shot that little girl got off and then the cops got I mean it was it was like a one-two punch it wasn't just a, a Rodney King because these things happen in waves, if you notice, because it's not just one thing happening in a vacuum. If it was one thing happening in a vacuum, you wouldn't have the massive social responses. Because then people would still be in a shock, like, oh, shit, that actually happened? Wow. You know? And then it would be like a, you know, a significant touchstone moment. Like, you know, people still remember Columbine, but how many shootings have there been since then? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, La, La, Latasha Harlins, Latasha Harlins. Uh, yeah, so so that happened, I think, within those, those uh, acquittals happened within weeks of each other. You know? Because these are deep, 
these are social ills we're talking about, not isolated incidents. But we keep trying to treat them like isolated, not you and I, but our society treats them like isolated incidents. And so, like, maybe they'll go away. If we just solve this case, if we just get justice this time, maybe, you know, it'll make it better. But, I don't know, it's bandages on bullet wounds. <laughs> bandages on bullet wounds. I like that one. You know, yeah, and that's, again, that's the purpose of knowing your history. You know, make those mistakes when you're fully aware of where you've been. Uh, otherwise, somebody's going to tell you where you've been, and, <laughs> and it won't be to your benefit. They're going to tell you where you've been and what you've been through, and it won't be to your benefit. But these are, this is like, you know, in recent history. You don't even have to be a history buff or someone who's interested in the any of these topics specifically. To I mean, this should be noticeable on a larger scale. So the big question is, why is it not? Well, if it weren't, if it wasn't noticed, I guess you wouldn't have the large social upheavals like we are. So, I did, did people are yeah. noticing, but it's the people who notice. The people that notice are the ones who are affected by it. So, there, there was a little little girl, uh, they, and they played this clip a couple of times. I don't know who she is. Uh, she says um, um, she was sixteen or something like that. Let's say uh, I could, I don't don't get into the details. So she was 16, and uh, some, I think it might have been Mike Brown. And she's saying, when she was eight, Trayvon Martin was killed. Why is she still dealing with this? <laughs> I thought that was funny. She said, eight years ago, I, I dealt with this issue. Why am I still dealing with this now? <laughs> I thought that was... I mean, the idea that uh, these issues started 10 years ago or eight years ago huh. is extremely laughable. Um, but then, then, you know, I guess like, obviously her parents don't talk about that kind of stuff, obviously, or she's not exposed to it, uh, because her, her understanding only starts with Trayvon Martin, <laughs> but, um, that's all you can that say. That says so much. <laughs> that says so much. That's all you can say. Uh, but it explains why things are the way they are. Do seem to go in a cycle because we, as a society, haven't been learning the lessons. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, also <laughs> uh, today, right? It's the anniversary right here. Um, in 1994, uh, South Africa held its first uh, election open to all races. Oh, in that. Now, when I say that, since I frequently say that South Africa is, might be worse than the U.S. If you talk about because it's happening in your own backyard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm honestly I'm kind of disappointed in a lot of other African nations. Why weren't they invaded? <laughs> Help a brother out. So they all had all those other the other. African nations, um, they all had, I mean, from Ghana to, um, to Zimbabwe. I mean, they did have nukes, so that could be why. They all, they all had, but it wasn't, it wasn't like the, the blacks had the nukes, right? No, <laughs> the nation the, had the nukes. That's what I'm saying. They had nukes. That's why they weren't invaded by any other I mean, Af free African nations. Oh, if you had a free yeah, African, oh. like if you had some real revolutionary shit going on in another free African nation, they were like, you know what, South Africa, has to get your shit together, they wouldn't have been as considered a, too much of a serious threat because South Africa had nukes. 
Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and w- w- would they have been allowed to have nukes if it was a? Uh... No, man, that was an insurance policy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, we were one of the last places that were actually supporting that nonsense. And then, um, uh, of course, uh, once you have open elections and allow everyone to participate, wink, wink. Uh, and then Nelson Mandela became elected. Um, as the first but he was broadly popular too, though, wasn't? Well, I mean, extremely popular. But um, but it makes. I mean, it, it goes without no surprise. I mean, in other words, he may have won if he had run for president in the sixties. Mm-hmm. He was broadly popular then. <laughs> you know, he was broadly popular then. It was a similar was it a similar situation to like Obama where it wasn't just that he could have won based off of the black majority vote. He actually got the white minority too. Uh, but the problem see, that's why I say South Africa is worse. You don't need the white minority in, in, in South Africa at all. Yeah. <laughs> you can completely ignore them. You can campaign all the black neighborhoods and be completely fine. A white vote is inconsequential, which is why it was so. It's really depressing that they control the country. You know, I mean, it's that was really extreme depressing. colonialism. <laughs> and we talk about 1994. Yeah, <laughs> we're not talking about 94. This is we're talking about um, two years after the LA riot. Its own calendar. Two years after the LA riot. Two years after the L.A. riot, the Rodney King uh-huh. uh, has his first black uh, president. Part of being an empire means you can write your own calendar and rules and all kinds of stuff. So it doesn't, that's like saying something like, you know, oh, this is 1990, whatever. That don't mean nothing. Yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, uh, let me zig back. Let me zig back here. Um, Jackie Robinson mm. also this month uh, played his first game for the, the Dodgers um, that was uh, in, the, in 40, 1947 um, now I am not as enamored with Jackie Robinson as some other folks may be and you believe he should have stayed in the Negro Leagues one, he was not the best baseball player. <laughs> not even by stretch. Okay. Was he ever the best baseball player at that time, on that date? Uh-huh. Okay. Two, yeah, I do believe you essentially say that he did, he did, he did legitimize the Negro League. Because right? he said he did make that okay. By leaving, by saying, by, and then allowing. Uh, the pop culture or the media to hold him up as, oh, look, we got one, right? Uh-huh. We're, we're fair and just. And you're not, right? One, you well, I, think that, I don't think that we were fair and just was ever really part of the claim or else they wouldn't have needed increased security. I mean, part of his legacy isn't just that he was the first one to cross that line. It was the crap he had to put up with in doing so. And even volunteering to be their, you know, special one, he still wasn't accepted, you know, for the most part. So that's the he point. Was, so now, so so you're, you're you're celebrating him, 
and he has to put up for it. So that the, the lesson that shows is that we have to, if we want to get it anywhere in this mm-hmm. society, we got to put up with stuff. That, that's the lesson? Is that the lesson we want to teach? Well, it would have been, honestly, to that point, yes. <laughs> and the reasons behind that are deeply entrenched in uh, keeping uh, the society with the same structure that it has had for so long. You know, we're dealing with uh, a culture that's trying to hold on to its shape. And that me- if that means not updating and not keeping up with the times or even what the people who make up that culture want, so be it. Because the people who make up the culture aren't exactly the people who run the culture or benefit from it all the time. And that's what we're seeing here. That's why you see so much resistance. That's why you can have a war that goes on for 20 years when the public is like, we shouldn't even be there. <laughs> you know, the very people. But it, that's why you can have a representative government where the people don't feel like they're represented. And that's the situation that we're in. Where we have leadership that gets elected, but it's broadly unpopular. We have parties that nobody actually likes, but they're the only ones that are really accepted. So we deal with it. It's a lot of, for a place that, again, is supposed to be built on competition and capitalism, we have very little competition or much of a free market. What I'll say to that is that shout out to Sasha Page and Josh Gibbs. <laughs> the best players of that age. <laughs> Sasha Page, Josh Gibbs. Austin Charles. You know, um, well, look at what we have today. We have now. Is it like how many times did the Yankees get accused of literally buying their roster? I mean, yeah. the, the sport allows for that. Um, Our Congress actually gave a damn and stopped and had like hearings because of you know gambling in baseball. We're preoccupied with the most ridiculous stuff in this, this country. Is ridiculous, <laughs> and we're the most powerful nation on the planet. We are insane. And also uh, today, which actually, um, this was a busy day. The LA riots also started in 92. And in 1992 was the last episode of The Cosby Show. Huh. <laughs> right? The Cosby Show went off the air uh, today back in 1992. Um, and when they start, like 85, 86? Uh, the Cosby Show uh, went on... Don't get me to lying. Uh, the Cosby Show started in 1984. Yeah, 84 to 92. 84 to 92. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I even before in preparation for the show, I made sure I sat down and watched that last episode. Um, what did you think? I mean, they just, uh, you just got to love Bill Cosby. You know, they, they're really trying to, they destroy that, their legacy. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. You know, it's only destroyed if we allow it to be destroyed. You know, if we allow them to allow them to paint him in their light. Are you able to separate him from, like, the characters like Huxtable and Fat Albert or, you know, Gordon and stuff like that? Or no, no, per- Nobody's perfect. Right, so we're not looking for perfection. Did he do his? No, we're not looking for perfection. Just hopefully not a repeat offender. Did he do his part? Did he do more harm than good? 
I think he did more good than harm. Okay. Right? <laughs> I believe he did more good than harm. Um, that's my thing. Mm. Shout out to Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if you saw, did you see this, uh, the Dave Chappelle um, uh, stand up? Mm, which one? Uh, the two recent ones? Date, let me say. He writes, let me say. He writes, let me say. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. Uh, it seems to yeah. have been a trend in Hollywood anyway that we're seeing. I mean, not to be dismissive of, dismissive of it, but that, that it's a skanky place, man. That'd I be, mean, it hasn't gotten. Did, did you hear huh? about? Uh, did you hear about uh, Scott Stringer? Scott Tom Stringer, Stringer, no. Got no. me too. Get Got out of here. Too. Yep. Really? Yesterday. Uh, so some uh, big time consultant uh, claimed that he he groped it in the Navy set. <laughs> but like ten years ago, though. So. so. <laughs> no, no, but but why come out now? You know why. It always looks suspicious. I, I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm being sexist. I don't mean to be sexist. I apologize. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, mean the timing. I mean, the the timing, timing is, is always the timing is always suspicious. But that could also be because now people are paying attention. You know, we have situations. Him. We've had situations where people, nobody except for knuckleheads like you and I, even know who Scott Stringer is most of the time. So if you were to say, oh, Scott Stringer, you know, did some dirty shenanigans or sexual impropriety, then people are be like, who's Scott Stringer? You're going to get through that. I mean, for crying out loud, look at what's going on with Cuomo right now. And they're still debating on, well, I mean, it is Andrew Cuomo. We knew he was a jerk. <laughs> this, that's the political, you know, acid <laughs> test right now. That, that's the environment we're in. So come on. Yeah, so exactly. So even so, if that's the case, you know, if we're looking at Andrew Cuomo in that light, and we're saying, "Oh, he's Andrew mm-hmm. Cuomo," and it's Scott Stringer. Well, we're not, but the rest <laughs> of the, you know, and the party itself does. Yeah, but he, he so some of the some of his uh, his uh, fellow candidates are calling for him to step out, resign, or step back, obviously. or yeah. and obviously he says he's not. <laughs> You just miss it out of it. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a mess now either way for him. So, uh, I mean, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. And 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 as as I'm as I'm listening to it, this is not like it's some some nobody. This is this is supposed to be one of the big lobbyists in New York City. You know, she's so supposed that's, to be able to make a power broker. Okay, well, you know. Now, for someone in that position to make such a claim, that makes me think that, one, it's probably got a little bit more merit because it's an industry they're both in. Number one, they probably work closely. There's the opportunity there. It's it's just, and for another thing, for her to be a political consultant and make this kind of a claim, I don't think they would do it just for political reasons, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? The the motivations for someone when you were gonna if you were gonna use a patsy, usually their motivations would be financial or something, something yeah. more transit, you know, transitive, something. 
or, or maybe or maybe he, he's not her pick for mayor. <laughs> but as a exactly, but as a political right. consultant, she's throwing her um, her standing in that realm into the same mix as his. Yeah. I don't know. I'm explaining it poorly, but <laughs> you know that it's hard to explain, but by them competing on the same level on in so many ways, it adds much more credence to her claim. And I know that's maybe sounds bad, but that is a consequence of it's a consequence of us living in a sexist society. It is what it is. So if you're gonna address it, then that's what it is, you know. I'm dealing with it as it came to me. <laughs> then, okay. Okay. Uh, we're rounding into our halfway point. I think it's a good time to take a quick break. Uh, sit tight, brothers and sisters, Africans and Africanettes. We'll be right back. Oh, I thought celebrate good Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I love classics. I love it. Yo, peace, brothers and sisters, Africans and Africanettes, Africans and those of you who are African Jason. This is On the Wake Up Radio. This section is called The Appeal, a.k.a. Walker's Appeal. I am Oz Bryan. My co-host is... Rob. Sometimes they call me F. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, of course, on the boards are our engineers and producers, Mr. Cindy Ashby, uh, working hard uh, behind the scenes making all this possible. Oh, man. <laughs> Um, before we, 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 we get on, uh, I want to do a real Southeast Queens thing. Real interesting. This is, this is, I'm a nerd, right? so don't, don't mind me. <laughs> this week, we, we, we mourned the passing of Count Basie, uh, oh. who died on the 26th back in 1984. We also say happy birthday. Uh, today is Duke Ellison's birthday. The reason why I say that's a big Queens thing is both of those guys used to live in St. Albans, Queens. <laughs> you know, and we got plenty of pictures, but right as it is the whole jazz history. And uh, those two, two guys, funny how they died and born at similar times. Um, contemporaries of one another, uh, Harlem Renaissance, Jazz Age, uh, and Southeast Queens representatives, <laughs> even though most people probably know for Harlem. But you know, a lot of those folks, they did their business in Harlem, but they came back home to the Southeast Queens to put their heads together. <laughs> So uh, shout out to those two guys. Uh, also, uh, happy birthday to August Wilson. I was having a conversation with a dear brother of mine um, over the weekend, and we like his, his wife was theater production. He and his wife was theater production, and uh, we were talking about doing plays outdoors. You know, COVID still around, and maybe like an outdoor performance might be something interesting. And he said, "Yeah, he's about to be Shakespeare in the park." I got forced for a moment. I said, "No, nah. about." August Wilson in the bar. <laughs> you know what I mean? uh, the great black bard, August Wilson. I mean, you know, it should always be uplifting yourself every moment of the opportunity you get. So, uh, you know, I always consider August Wilson to be our, not our Shakespeare, like, or Shakespeare, Shakespeare is their August Wilson, better yet, you know? Uh, so, uh, happy birthday to August Wilson. And some of you may not know this guy, uh, Hubert Harrison. Hubert uh, Harrison was one of the, uh, John Jackson, uh, Dr. John Jackson referred to him as a black artist, one of the great intellectuals of the Harlem Renaissance, uh, 
former editor of the uh, Negro World. Um, uh, Ethel Randolph referred to him as the father of Harlem Radicalism. Uh, so this is when, when, when there was socialism was real, and they were a real socialist. He was a member of the Socialist Party of America. Um, he was the leading black organizer. Uh, real black intellectual. Um, uh, I mean, yeah. Research Hubert Harris. Um, okay. mine, that uh, really doesn't get a whole lot of light. Because uh, there's a whole lot of giants in that period of time. So happy birthday, Hubert Harris. Uh, can I can I geek out for a little bit? Pardon? Rob? Yeah, there you go. Do I have your permission to geek out a little bit? Let's geek out. Yeah. Geek out. Geek out. Oh, geek out. Yeah, I mean, come on. I'm not. <laughs> I'm a geek myself. But, you know. <laughs> so I ramble off about sci fi all the time. So yeah, I'm stop somebody else. Yeah. He's not lying, brothers and sisters. He's not lying. <laughs> so, some reason. I said, let me look up the Harlem Gang of Four, right? I just I couldn't remember where they were. So the Harlem Gang of Four is Percy Sutton, again, Southeast Queens resident, <laughs> who did his work in Harlem. Uh, again, he had to move to Harlem when he became a handful president. But, you know, yeah, he used to live right here on 170, 179th Street. Uh, Charlie Rangel, Basil Patterson, uh, father of uh, the first black governor of New York State, uh, and David Dinkins, that's the Gang of Four. So uh, I was reading a quote. A quote took me in a couple of directions by Percy Sutton, uh, where he states, let me give a little bit more context before I read this. So Rob, so Harlem in 1920, would you consider that a black place, like a black part of town? It's a black part of town. Yeah. I mean, you know, 1920, Harlem Renaissance, right? Well, who owns it? <laughs> I mean, but the, the residents, they're there. Yeah, we didn't own it, but the residents were mo- mostly black, you were, I would assume, right? You had a mix. You had some black, and I think you still probably had a little... Uh, yeah, these counties, the time true, right? There was a county in part. Uh, yeah, that's the, yeah, that's when they still had up to 119 um, uh, with uh, Lucky Luciana still controlling that uh, by, the, by, the, by the east side there. Um, but I was surprised, right, when you think about um, blacks in Congress. Right. Um, we don't get our first black congressman until the 1940s in New York, in Adam Payne Powell. Yeah. Chicago has had black representation since the 1920s, 1929 to be exact. Yeah. Right. So by the time we get to the 40s and the 50s, Chicago's on its third black congressperson. And again, of course, I mean, I'm talking about the entire country. That means he, that the Chicago, congressperson out of Chicago, Cook County, was the only black in Congress for the for those decades. Period. <laughs> right? Adam Clayton would have been the second. And then, uh, of course, a little while later, out of Detroit comes uh, Charles Davis Jr. So there's a point in time when we only had three black congressmen in the country. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I, I went looking at, like, you know, well, how could this... It didn't make sense to me that Harlem, being a black town, Harlem Renaissance, 1920s, doesn't have its first black congress until the 40s when uh, uh, Chicago has it since the, essentially the 30s. And so uh, I'm looking up Gang of Four, and then President Sutton says this. Harlemites are limited in the areas where 
they can seek power. The result is, since we don't have mobility, those of us who think we have talent have to hustle within circumscribed areas. But Harlem runs on a basic political organization line, not much different from any place else. Again, it's Percy Sutton. Mm -hmm. The percentage of registered voters is low, but the average voter is very sophisticated. You, you can't get by here with what Bill Dawson pulls in Chicago on the South Side. Now, Bill Dawson is the congressman from, from Chicago uh, at the time, who famously had nothing to do with Martin Luther King during the Civil Rights Movement. Right? He was a, he was a fancy Negro. <laughs> right? Fancy. So, but uh, Chicago had black representation. And so um, I found that interesting, right? So he's saying that Chicago is somehow different than Harlem in this way. And so he continues, uh, the boss rule in Harlem today is impossible because when politicians could control government services to grant or within favor or withhold favors, is not, it's gone. Uh, we're like social service workers administering things like poverty programs or are you? All you can do is promise good government, give personal attention, and project your personality. Right? And, and I thought that was interesting because we talk about what politicians can do. And Percy Sutton is already already looking at and seeing the limitations of politicians. Right? Project your personality. Even not just the limitation of politicians, but the what, who they allowed to be a politician, it sounded like to me. I mean, this was still, it's similar to what we have now. You know, you can get anybody elected as long as they're approved, but they're only going to get approved if they're don't, not going to do anything or rock the boat or do anything that the already people who are in there don't already approve of. So what are you yeah. really accomplishing? In that, in that, in that, in that, in that sense, uh, I, I agree with you, right? You know, yeah, I agree. With you're you you're a big proponent of adversarial uh, politics, relationship. Absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> so even if I support you, that doesn't mean we won't run somebody in primary. Okay. Damn right. <laughs> you know, you could be. You know, you could still get. It could be me, and they could still primary me. You know, all right. right. I would want you to primary me. Keep <laughs> me on my toes. But you know, but that's if it's about ideas and actually keeping a party or something going. If it's not a personal thing, it's become a very personal thing with our politics. Yeah, you know, it's not yeah, just yeah. it's not well, just relationships. It's not just being used well, using relationship. It's purely relationships. What he says is all you can do is promise good government, give personal attention. And but they're not the even doing out. that. They're not even promising the good government party. <laughs> uh, Seriously, well, it's become more of a negative type of politics because they're not. Probably, instead of even saying I'm not, I'm what I'm going to do for you. Now it's I'm not going to do what the other guy might do. You know, it wasn't just Trump. But Trump, you know, put it on blast. He put it on overdrive. That now it's you know. I, I can get elected by not promising to make your life better. It's just keeping the boogeyman away, or not Maybe making your life worse. <clears throat> huh? Maybe this is what good government looks like. 
good government is honestly good government shouldn't control you in either way it shouldn't make it possible for you to control your own destiny that's good governance yeah. <laughs> that's true and then um, furthermore uh, what really got me going because he says uh, we're like social service workers administering things like poverty programs or are you I'm like, what the hell is a how are you? <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and I thought, I, I thought of you when I when I when I when I heard about this. Um, yeah. How are you? Is the Harlem Youth Opportunities Unlimited? Oh. Harlem yeah. Youth Opportunities Unlimited, um, which became How You Act when it was merged with the Associated Community Team under Adam Payne Power. Okay. So this was the social program that Adam Clay and Powell had administered. Hmm. Furthermore, two, two things. Uh, hmm. I'll do the minor thing first. The director of the HARU was Cecil deGrasse Tyson. Hmm. You, are you familiar with any other deGrasse Tyson? Only Neil. This is his father. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got, okay, so you're a geek like me. So only a geek can care about this. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So Neil deGrasse Tyson was a, his father was a, a big shot in Hall. Yeah. I mean, he headed this program. He also founded a group for 100 uh, Black Men of America. Right. So he headed HARU, uh, Harlem Youth Opportunities Program, Unlimited. Uh, and he is also founder of 100 Black Men of America. And uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of videos you can look up on on Cecil deGrasse Tyson, you know, him speaking in public. And like, okay, like Neil deGrasse Tyson really had some foundation, you know, growing up with a man like that. Now, um, now this is where it gets uh, really interesting. I've always heard uh, my mentor is uh, <laughs> is a uh, Donnie M Whitehead, and um, he always talks to me about the youth program in Harlem. I was like. What is hard? When I asked him what is hard, you, he used to work at Hard You Act. <laughs> like when he first came here from, um, from Maryland, from Salisbury, Maryland, that's who he worked with. He worked for this program. Uh-huh. In, other words, in other words, Adam Payne Powell was given jobs and he was one of the beneficiaries of those jobs. Man. And so then I asked him, because I never asked him before, I was like, what, what specifically did you do for Hard You? Mm-hmm. He worked overnight. So now I'm thinking, why does a, a, a youth program have an overnight? He said, if there's any, he said, because if there are any issues. Yeah. I mean, look at the shit that goes on now. I mean, but now we put all that responsibility. Now we put all that responsibility on NYPD. We don't have any programs that run 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But that's why you end up with kids getting shot and shit and fighting with cops. Not even getting shot, just literally fighting with cops on a regular basis. So it leads to other shenanigans. So yeah, it makes sense. So, so now again, I'm I'm not the most creative person in the world. I'll be honest with you. I don't I never had I don't think I've ever had a a, a a brand new idea under the sun. However, once I see something in the past, I know I can do it again. I know it can happen again. This gives me hope. But the idea is that we don't have we, we had community services right organizations that were there for emergencies but this is the shit that we talk about all the time back in the 60s yeah 
because they understood that they needed these things. These were communities that were responding to needs. This is the stuff that we talk about all the time. This is why I always bring up the food programs and the social stability programs from the uh, Panthers. That's why I thought of you. When I was, as I'm reading this, that's why I thought of you. This is why it's actually straight up offensive when we have the politicians come for our talks and stuff. And they're like, and we go, hey, what are you going to do for the community? And they're like, precincts. We're going to build three precincts, new precincts. They're going to be huge. You're going to love it. And it's like, no, that is not the answer. <laughs> so, you know, Adam Clayton Powell gave you how you act. Uh-huh. Youth Employment Unlimited associated community team and we have Gregory Meek. Yes. <laughs> Your friend and mine. When you, when, you, when you put it in a contrast like that, you know what I mean? It's one this thing is why talk. Adam Clayton Powell has a goddamn Superman statue in front of his building <laughs> and Gregory Meeks talks about his prefab piece of crap house. You know, put it in perspective. One did something, yeah. one built something for his community and the other one, well, that's what we got. Put these things in perspective. Put these things in perspective. I mean, uh, I don't know what else to say. I mean, and then, and then if you, I mean, the to really in the pudding. Out, him and his cheap ass suits. So sick. And then you, you, you stand it out, you know, Cecil deGrasse Tyson and Neil deGrasse. So essentially, this whole environment produces, you know, my, my mentor, first of all, Lisa D. And Neil deGrasse Tyson gets produced out of this environment. This environment is really planting real seeds, and that's what you get. And it makes me wonder. I mean, you know, this guy's been in Congress for how long? He sits on some pretty decent committees. What the frack? I I thought that was. I was completely. I mean. I mean, I, We're not yeah, asking I just, for too much. We're asking for just like you know, come on, dude. But I, obviously, you've you've. It's not even a matter of like, oh well, you started something and couldn't complete it. You didn't have time to you know follow through on your vision. It. It's don't not even, that. Don't even cross it by. But I am. You know, but it, it's striking to me because then I have to turn around and wonder, okay, who are the people who keep supporting him? Why? What organization? In its right mind, would support someone, someone like that, repeatedly. What so, business would keep an employee like that? Not if they wanted they, to stay in business. So then it's you know I, at a certain point, I can't even blame him for being the incompetent that he is. I got to blame the people who are supporting and keeping him there. So Meeks is at the register. You're the owner of the store. You own the store. Meeks works the register. He's stealing out the register. He's mm-hmm. letting your manager get a piece. Mm-hmm. So your manager is not going to fire him. You know what I mean? He might let his co-worker get a piece, but he's not going to snitch while your business goes on the ground. <laughs> that, that's what we have here. <laughs> but again, but again, he there's is a couple only, of parties who benefit. There's a couple of parties who benefit, but again, he is not the, he wasn't the one who started this. He's now he's in head of it, you know, but he wasn't the top one within that organization who started this gravy train. No, and he didn't start it. Even the one who came before him, right? Yeah. Um, it's a sick. Uh, it's a sick. Floyd Flake, Floyd Flake really was a student of Adam Clayton Power. He really mm-hmm. wanted to be Adam Clayton Power. That's why he brought the social. I mean, so I can't say that uh, he didn't start it. No, but um, what came before him was a lot better than him. 
<laughs> you know, because I can't even blame it on that. <laughs> maybe. So maybe. what happened? What happened? You can't tell me that this one individual isn't because he's not alone. So there was obviously some kind of cultural shift within. No, so he was always an individual. Mm-hmm. He associated with an organization that halfway did something. So now when he gets his opportunity to get in, he actually does nothing. But he had associated with an organization that did 50-50. Half for themselves, half the community. But he was an individual. And so therefore, once he gets his opportunity to get in, he only does himself. But he did associate with uh, the, the group people who were doing stuff. Some stuff. Even if they were stealing. Two for you, one for me. <laughs> and that was three for me, none for you. But um, I, I digress. Uh, uh, I'm not going to give him too much of my energy. I was just, I just thought that was really interesting as I was, you know, researching Gang of Five and coming up with Car mm-hmm. You and even looking at Bill Dawkins, looking at Harlem and and and, and, and Chicago and contrasting the two. Right? Uh, Do we have any Chicago. modern equivalents today? To programs like that, like How Are You, that are successful and being supported? Um, you know, uh, so in my discussions, it was the fact that that was a period of time when we were burning the stuff down. Mm-hmm. So you might have programs in places like uh, where Mike Brown was, right, where they were riding. You, you'll see programs like this that calm y'all down. But if y'all ain't raising no ruckus, there's nothing to calm down. And so therefore, um, no. If we so can not do gonna... preemptive strikes, then we can do preemptive community building and put these institutions and uh, organizations in place so communities don't burn themselves down. Well, yeah, they, but they, the, the government's always been reactionary. So, you know, they got to give, give them something to react to. Uh, so, no, they're okay, not going to... But then, <laughs> but then again, we should be doing it. We should... We have to fall back on our philosophy. Then we should be doing it for ourselves and not depend on government. And there's actually government Absolutely. funding out there. You know, Absolutely. there is government funding out there for these programs. But again, you'd have to have individuals like our representatives who are, when they go to Washington and bring that pork back to the communities, who gets what part of that pig? You know, just bringing back the pork isn't enough. So you know, what's that money going to? Is it going to be another prefab high rise or? You know, is it going to be a program like Hardy? And apparently it's been going in the wrong direction. Well, that's, just, that's an understatement. But, um, but you know, it's, but it is encouraging to me that I know that it happened. Once mm-hmm. I understand that it happened, then I can be a lot more hopeful, meaning hopeful meaning put in work. I know what I'm working towards. Mm-hmm. You know, once I understand that, the, oh, this has done, been done before. You know, uh, I know I can inhale and exhale tomorrow because I was inhaling and in exhaling yesterday. So, um, for me, uh, that works. And so now that keeps us, that, gets, that energizes us to keep moving forward. That energizes us to keep moving forward. Um, uh, uh, the last one area, I guess we have to stay hopeful. Say what? So that's one area where I guess we have to stay hopeful. And we, yeah, I mean, we've got no choice. We're hopeful of going things. 
either be hopeful or, or go extinct. Well, it's like the situation with the LA. I mean, you, you we've almost come full circle. You started off talking about the LA riots. I mean, and we still, we have the same issues again. It's you got to address the actual disease, not just treat the symptoms. Agreed, agreed, agreed. You know, yeah, yeah. You don't want to wait until. Um, last topic. It does look like that precinct is coming. Um, the, the 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 folks. Who members of the community that were super persistent, and that 116 precinct has been refunded. Um, we were questioning where the funding was coming from, if it was being pulled from Roy Wilson, the 90 million dollars. But no, it looks like they got 90 million dollars in federal money, mm-hmm. and they chose to spend it on a police precinct. <laughs> so uh, I guess it's a good for the community that we get the. Uh, upgrades to Roy Wilkins and a new police precinct, <laughs> but that just doesn't sound right coming off my off my lips. Um, but yeah, they, 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 these uh, these folks were persistent in that in that push to get this that precinct done, and um, it looks like uh, De Blasio has coalesced. Unless the new mayor who comes in after him changes, unless they break ground this year, I'm not sure if it happens that quickly, but. Um, yeah, uh, I, I was against the precinct because I didn't think uh, that policing should be a number one issue, especially when so many other things are failing, especially education. That uh, you shouldn't, in, in a community where uh, people are sending their kids out of district for education, shouldn't uh, prioritize police precincts. <laughs> yeah, it, just, it baffles me. Um, homeowners. People buy homes because of the school district, and you're buying a home in a community, and you have to send your kids outside the district, but yet you want a police precinct. Baffles me. But, you know, that's just me. I could be wrong. I might be off here. Um, But uh, I don't mind being off. (laughs) And once you believe you know what you're doing is right, or what you're saying is right, you you, you, you can stand stand fast. So, um, it's going to be interesting uh, how that turns out. Who's got a stronger union? I'm not even sure if this is a union push. These, and these no, I'm just asking push. between the police and the teachers, who has a stronger union voice in the city and in city governance? That's oh, why you get more... Be, that's why you have say, new precincts and not new schools. I'm not I'm saying not the union was pushing it. Oh. I'm talking about who has more political capital overall. Yeah, Pat Lynch is, a, is, is, is the man. And not even just him specifically, but as an, as an entity, as an institution. What has more political capital for the people who, in the clubs, who run the city? As, a, as an institution, those politicians tend to suck up to which group? Teachers? Well, or police. You know, that might be a uniquely New York thing. Because I believe when you go on... New York has one of the largest police forces on the planet. That's why. (laughs) It's a small army. In most places. In most places, that's split. You know, uh, when you have one sheriff, you're still going to have a whole bunch of teachers. Uh, The teachers, the school... Because, again, that's why you buy a home in the neighborhood. That's that's how you... That's that's, that's what you look for. Also, hopefully, the teachers have a greater influence and touch more lives in the community. Absolutely. You know, nine times out of ten, if you are having a contact with the cop, it's 
it's an unfortunate incident or it's someone's safety or something like that. With a teacher, hopefully you have a lot more good contacts in the community (laughs) and on a much more regular basis. This is someone who deals with your kids. And, you know, so, yeah, the schools should be a a keystone in any community. Remember, that's why you buy homes. These are homeowners, right? Uh, I mean, I am perplexed about it. I didn't think, I I didn't see it. I didn't see it going down this way, but um, that's where we are. Um, we're getting a new police recent. <laughs> uh, persistence does pay off. And um, never say never. Um, and yeah, uh, it's unfortunate. But uh, what can you say? <laughs> uh, we're coming up on the close of another really amazing show. You would think um, teachers would have gotten a little bit more political capital considering the situation with the pandemic and what they've all gone through. But, but it may the have also weakened them. Them up too. But the community's huh? not backing them up. The community's not backing them up. You know. It's going to become more difficult too with so many people going to remote learning and everything. I think that really did shake a lot of people's confidence in education. Yeah, yeah. Man, <laughs> are you having any, any words for the folks um, before we we sign off here? Rob? Yes, I'm still here. You have any closing Normally, like I said, normally I say organized, but you were talking about Adam Clayton Powell, one of my favorites, so I... I not just organized, but focused organization. You know, something with a purpose. We got a ton of um, organizations right now. <laughs> so uh, earlier, the birthday to Hubert Harrison, uh, one of the great intellectuals. Uh, what I also forgot to mention is that he's one of the profound atheists of his time. <laughs> All right. um, uh, he's not the only one. A lot of those believe, a lot of intellectuals uh, believe that religion has, has made uh, blacks weak. And so he famously says, show me a population that is deeply religious, and I will show you a servile population, content with whips and chains, content to eat the bread of sorrow and drink the waters of affliction. Super Harris. Uh, to all my brothers and sisters out there, Africans and Africanettes, African adjacent, uh, this is on the wake of radio. Uh, Cindy Ashby, by on the board. Uh, shout out to the whole on the wake up radio family. Uh, this has been Walker's Appeal, aka The Appeal. Uh, I am Oz Bryan, my co host. Rob, sometimes they do call me F. Yeah. We'll see you uh, this time next week. Uh, same black time, same black hour, <laughs> same black day. So that's the blackest hour of your life. That's what I say. You, the people, have the power. The power to create happiness. Let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power. But they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. 
otwtube.com uncensored free speech platform flawed individual Cindy Ashby 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 Ashby